Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, you typed something in Discord the other day that made my heart warm and fuzzy. You typed that Kaladesh Remastered has killed my love for Constructed. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I have no desire to play Standard. I was like still thinking like, oh, maybe I'm going to try and do the double mythic thing again. It's gone, Ben. I have no no interest in playing those 60 card monstrosities anymore. That warms my heart. And it's a testament, I think, to how awesome Kaladesh Remastered is. I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a format this much i mean i've streamed like eight hour days all week and then i'm still like playing at night like like (laughs) after dinner like still playing off stream like i really really like this format we've been given such gifts right like a surprise best of three and then a surprise extension of best of three we have it until this coming thursday yeah the extension of best of three was clutch yeah so i'm i'm loving this format i'm very very excited to get to spend the next hour talking about it with you how about you ben What what are your thoughts on kaladesh Yeah, I have been loving the format as well. I've not gotten to draft quite as much as I would like. I'm only about 15 drafts deep right now, but I'm looking forward to streaming and jamming a bunch over Thanksgiving break. Format is awesome. I think it's everything I remember about it, plus some new twists. And I think about magic a little differently. So it's fresh in that way than it was, you know, three or four years ago before you and I met and started the podcast, that sort of thing. But yeah, it is definitely challenging. You really draft the hard way. You really stay open and and figure out what's open in your seat. And that's a, a fun puzzle for me. Yeah. So, you know, the past two weeks we've been trying to insert the mechanics into the the show title. So we were cruising through, we're feeling energized. So this week we're improvising. And that doesn't mean we're talking about the blue red archetype, but it, it more means that we're talking about going deep in the format, really figuring out what we've been finding success with. And I think we're going to have a lot of interesting discussions because it sounds like you and I are maybe approaching things or biasing towards maybe um, some different stuff. So I think we've really got a full picture between the two of us of what sweet things, what good things you can do to get that win rate up in Kaladesh Remastered. Um, But before we get into that, just a few housekeeping things to dive into. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is the place where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. You know, if you've been listening for a long time, you feel like the show is giving you a lot of good stuff to to get some gems or, or tickets or play points or whatever on on NTGO or arena um, and you want to give back that's where you can go to do that we we offer some perks along the way um, you get access to our discord get access to show notes in advance of the episode get access to a private section of the discord or even access to monthly coaching sessions with me and Ben um, depending on which tier you choose all that's available on the patreon page and we of course also want to welcome our new patrons each and every week so this week we are welcoming to the fold Emery Nicholas Brandon, Ben, Owen, Ashford, Phileas, and Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough. It is the week of Thanksgiving that this episode is going to be coming out. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure from yours as well, you know, we do say thank you every week, but we really do mean it. It's incredible that people like the show, want to support the show. And we really, really appreciate each and every one of you and are thankful for each and every one of you as we head into Thanksgiving here. Yeah, I mean, I can get all mushy gushy on you, Ben, if you want. But I am I, yeah, very, <laughs> very thankful. I think about it all the time. I'm a, I'm a big like towards the end of the year, I like really reflect on the past year and, you know, to the, the coming year. And 2020 has been, to say the least, terrible. But personally, I feel very blessed and lucky that I get to do what I love every day, which is play magic and produce content. And that is not possible without the folks uh, via the Patreon. Yep. Thank you. Show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, which has been another thing to be very thankful for. Uh, 
we really appreciate being sponsored by Channel Fireball. ChannelFireball.com, where you can go for all of your needs, magic-related. They've still got the Ultimate Magic gift box going. If you're getting some Black Friday shopping done, I'm sure they're going to have some deals related to that and other singles, cards on the website, that sort of thing. So if you've got some loved ones you want to get some magic gifts for, head on out over to ChannelFireball.com. There's also a bunch of articles there from you, Alex, and I on CFB Pro. Some of them are on the free side as well. We make video content on the free side. So great things going on over at CFB. And when you head on over to ChannelFireball.com, make sure you use code LOL when you check out to let them know that we sent you over there. We really value that relationship with Channel Fireball. As we said, we're very thankful for it. And that's one of the ways that you can help us show them uh, that that relationship's working. Okay, so let's let's dive right in here, Ben. I, you know, I have to throw out in the show notes here, like all the archetypes that I had played, how many times when my win-loss record was, you know, went back through my 17lands.com log. And again, I, I just throw this out there. If anyone is playing on Arena and is not using 17lands.com, I would highly recommend downloading it it saves all your draft logs which is great for review shows all your deck picks your records etc it's like a great tool really helps us track those things without any work um so got to go through all that stuff and uh i've played every archetype so far uh, multiple times and i'm winning with all the archetypes and so this was really i was really (laughs) must be nice (laughs) it is nice but this is less of a sick brag here and more of just a i was curious like oh am i like leaning more towards certain colors or color pairs and it really doesn't look like I am. It really looks like it's a wide open field. And I, I felt like that led me to a conclusion that I had already been feeling, which is that this is a true draft the hard way format, right? We, we haven't really seen that this year. If you think back to Theros Beyond Death, Ikoria, M21s, Endicar Rising, those were all sets where I think we had colors or color pairs that we were biasing towards or against. When I sit down at a Kaladesh Remastered draft, I'm happy to draft anything. I think that Every color pair is viable. Every color is viable. I don't think this is one of those like, oh, you can't draft this color pair is the best or the worst. I've been been getting a lot of those questions on stream this week. Like, what do you think is the best or the worst? And I'm like, I could I could say an answer, but I just don't think it's relevant because I think everything is possible and everything is is win withable, you know? Yeah, I've been feeling that I have not liked black as much as the other colors, but you've been winning a lot with black. So I'm curious to dive in and pick your brain about how you've been getting into black and how that's been working for you. But I definitely agree about it being a true draft the hard way format. When I when I sit down, my goal is to try to do something sweet. Like that's priority number one, because I do think that's a good thing to do in this format. But I will also happily draft red, white and smash face or whatever, you know? Yeah, I really am just like, look, I'm going to take these, you know, we, we talked a lot last week about engine pieces, right? The modules, Era of Innovation, Key to the City, Midnight Oil, these sort of cards that look like they have setup cost, and they do, but that that are really like decks in and of themselves or, or cruxes to pockets of synergies within decks or whatever. And I'm really interested in taking those cards early, trying to maximize them. But then if, you know, if I'm taking Era of Innovation early and then blue isn't open, fine, then I'll do whatever else is open. I'll take the the commons that I think are going to later, the other signpost uncommons for different decks and move in there. I like I've abandoned first picks plenty of times in this format. And I think that's just a testament to how much it is a true draft the hard way set. Yes, I agree completely. And the cards that you rattled off there, like, you know, underhanded designs. Well, I guess that's kind of a removal spell, but some of the modules or era of innovation, a lot of those cards are cards that would be graded, not super highly on quadrant theory necessarily. Like they don't affect the board and you have to take a turn off and play them and but then after you do that you accrue incremental advantage that really does 
you know, help you win the game. And if you don't know that those cards are good or you're not picking them highly, I think you're going to be having a hard time in the format. You know, it's a draft the hard way format in that you want to read what's open in your seat. But it's also hard to draft the hard way in that the best cards in the format not aren't necessarily easily identifiable. Right. When we were meeting before recording, just like going through the show notes, making sure everything was in the order that we wanted to talk about it. You mentioned like if you just draft like removal and quote unquote good cards, you're probably not gonna have a good deck like this you really want your decks to be greater than the sum of their parts at the end of the draft right you know to steal from limited resources this is not necessarily a cards that affect the board state format like a cabs format you can do that and i think if you do that you need to be doing it really darn well right mm-hmm. like you need to be having night market lookouts and vehicles backed up by some removal spells or red white curving out backed up by removal but those are really the only style of decks that want to do it and they want to do it really hard right just a normal curve of, you know, good creatures and cast my removal spell and then play my four four. That's just going to get outclassed by anybody that knows how to build an engine. Yeah, for sure. I like I said, I think you can win with anything. The decks that have come together for me the most often are you, we've talked about this already. Red, white aggro, which is, again, not really a vehicle deck like you can have vehicles in there, but just red, white does a really good job of like curving out, beating down, pushing damage, going wide, whatever. Um, and also some combination of salt eye decks. I've had a lot of good black green and a lot of good blue green decks that are either have like energy sub themes or plus plus one counter sub themes. I think, you know, next thing up that we're talking about here is that this is really a true pauper set. And there are a lot of game plans and ways to win at common and uncommon as well. And you need to be on the lookout for those things. So something as simple as, you know, top two blue commons, ether swooper plus gear seeker serpent plus some other artifacts. That's a game plan in and of itself. You know, if you get whatever, three copies of Ether Swooper and two Gear Seeker Serpents, you've got a deck. Yeah, I mean, I just can't stress enough how good that is. And and that this is one of the reasons why I think this format is so good is because, you know, you can get a, a couple engine uncommons maybe, but that there's so many things at common that are ways to win. Like like the aforementioned uh, Blue Duo, I think Night Market Lookout, plus, you know, some vehicles. Ideally, I think Sky Skiff because it's only one power. Um, but I do think that's a plan in and of itself. And Night Market Lookout, if you're not familiar with the card, is black 1-1. One, one, and whenever it becomes tapped, you drain the opponent for one. So, you know, you get in early with it. And then if you have a vehicle and Night Market Lookouts, you can overcrew your vehicles, right? So if you've got three Night Market Lookouts on the battlefield and a Sky Skiff, you can tap all three Night Market Lookouts if they're blanked to crew your Sky Skiff and then drain the opponent for three. And that's really difficult to interact with as the opponent. Right. You can't race it. You, you know, even if they don't have good attacks with the vehicle, you just like wait until end step, you know, hop all the night market lookouts into your vehicles, drain them for two or three, depending on how many you have. And it's, just, it's very hard to interact with, as you said, and really hard to, to race. Like this is a, a real way to win. A tune with ethers also excellent. You know, we've been singing its praises over the last couple of weeks, but the green search your library for land, you get two energy that plus energy sinks, you know, and it doesn't even have to be the uncommon ones like Arab innovation. The, the three common energy sinks that are very good creatures, you know, the Ether Swooper, Ether Chaser, and Thriving Rhino. If you prioritize those cards and you have good places to dump your energy, those commons get out of hand. They all snowball and make your life, your opponent's life difficult the longer the game goes. And there's a lot of other fixing as well, even outside of green. Like green has a tune with Ether. It has the, the Wanderer, the four mana 3-2 that searches up a basic. Uh, there's Unbridled Growth, which I don't think is great, but that's three pieces of fixing for green at common. And then there's also Prophetic Prism and Renegade Map. Uh, as colorless fixing at common. So there's just a lot of ways to splash around. So I think that's a game plan, right? Just getting a really, really good mana base and then snapping up whatever powerful stuff you see. 
But I would also caution that I've seen a lot of people trying to splash for cards like Cloud Blazer, which I think is probably like top of the list of best things to splash if you're, you know, in green, white or green, blue or whatever. Um, but, you know, I don't think you can really just do it off of one prism, though maybe Ben disagrees with me. I do disagree with you. I, I love Cloud Blazer. And one of my favorite decks to draft in the format is Bant Enter the Battlefield effects, where you try to blink or rebuy. You know, once you get it's hard to get the pieces, but once you get a Cloud Blazer or you get the white black uncommon that rebuys a creature or an artifact, you know, from your graveyard, the gravedigger effect. Once you get, you know, two to three copies of those types of cards, you can really go deep. And I think if I have a cloud blazer, I'm definitely jamming it off of prophetic prism and two blue sources in my green, white, you know, go deep, pick things up deck. You know, maybe you've got a decoction module and a fabrication module. And ultimately you probably want to run 18, 19 sources in those decks anyway, because they're very mana hungry. So you yeah. can get away with a little bit sketchier of a splash in that respect as well that makes sense all right yeah if you're going up sources then then you can you can pop another island in there for sure uh i would also say do not splash in your aggro decks um i've seen that too much like you know your red white aggro deck as much as you would love to play cloud blazer you should probably leave it on the sidelines yes agree 100 percent. if you're aggro in this format you need to be crazy streamlined no nonsense because you have to get under the people and kill them dead before their engine comes online Mm -hmm. speaking of engines just a couple more here uh fast improvised starts have been very good though i've I've not really drafted blue red a lot but more so like you know having it in a blue x deck or a red x deck where you have goggles into ether chaser into sweatworks brawler into the four four giant that has trample and haste um you know i really do think you can power out your gear seeker serpents on turn i've had a lot of turn four gear seeker serpents in this format so far it's very doable yeah and i think the last one here is self-assembler i think you know we talked about that at the beginning of the format and it really does come together once you get three self-assemblers they're very good and very good in a deck that doesn't have some other sort of engine you know i like them best at the top of the curve in a red white aggro deck or a white black aggro deck something like that but when you put pressure on the opponent and then your turn five is four drop four drop four drop after that and your opponent has to answer that that's pretty difficult yeah for sure and it's so funny like you said this last week you're like this is a don't be mid-range format and i was like i I was like i don't really know what that means and i but i'm gonna i trust you and i really it hit home for me as i was writing this out like i would sum up the format as you are like either trying to abuse energy in some way or kill your opponent before they can abuse energy. And and I guess energy really could just mean any sort of engine. I just think the energy payoffs or whatever are the most common ways to do do like your engine-y stuff. Um, so basically, you just want to be aggro or you want to have an engine. You cannot be in the middle. Yes, I agree. I would add, you know, ETB effects that, yeah. that all goes in the, the engine type stuff. I think the engines really split into energy engines and ETB engines. And we'll take a look at that in a little bit. So uh, where are we at top commons overall, Ben? Top commons overall, uh, this was shocking. I just threw this into the show notes and usually Ethan and I about go to fisticuffs over what, <laughs> what the top commons are. And he was like, yeah, I think these are my five as well. And we we shifted the order around a little bit, but that was that was surprising. Yeah. Well, so I think the, the most notable thing here is in our top five commons overall, there's not a removal spell, not a removal spell to be found. And we can sort of split these up into the best creatures and the best fixers right yes and so number one we've got thriving rhino as best creature overall in the format at common that is <laughs> there are a lot of good ones at rare, <laughs> rare and uncommon uh two and a green two three and whenever it attacks you can pay two energy and if you do you put a plus one plus one counter on it and when it etbs you also get two energy 
In the number two and three spot, we have Ether Swooper and Ether Chaser, uh, respectively. Uh, the Swooper is the one two flyer that makes a servo when it attacks. You can pay two energy, and Chaser is the one on a red two one with first strike that can also make servos for two energy. And the reason these three are so good is because they're energy sinks. You know, we were talking before the show about how we have found ourselves in spots where you make a lot of energy in the format, and there's not a lot of great places to put that energy. And you really reap the rewards of being able to spend that resource consistently. Yes, I agree. There's been way too many times that I'm stuck with like 14, 15, 16 energy and not places to put it because either I don't have enough copies of these common creatures or I don't have something like Era of Innovation to dump energy and turn it into cards. And it's really important if you're going to be an energy deck that you have the places to put energy. That's harder to get than the enablers. The, The payoffs for energy are much more difficult to acquire. For sure. So the next commons are fixing. So number four slot, Prophetic Prism. Two ETBs, you draw a card and you can filter mana through it to make mana of any color. And Renegade Map as well. One mana for the ETB tapped artifact that you can then on the following turn, crack, sacrifice, um, search your library for basic land, put it into your hand. Also turns on Revolt, which is super huge in some decks. And then an honorable mention to Attune with Ether, the green, search your library for basic land. You get two energy. Those Cards are all really good. And the reason like Prism and Renegade Map are so high here for us is not only do they enable splashing, which I think, you know, we're doing a fair amount of the time. I mean, I don't think I'm doing it over 50% of the time, but I I am interested in doing it a lot. But not only that, like they are just synergistic with a lot of the stuff we've talked about. You think about Improvise, you know, having these cheap artifacts on the battlefield or Gear Seeker Serpent having cheap artifacts on the battlefield. Um, it's it's all really working towards that, that synergy or pockets of synergy that we're talking about. And they're sort of, you know, if you can think back to Dominaria, similar to Skittering Surveyor in that their value at the beginning of the draft is through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the draft, there's definitely diminishing returns on how highly you're going to pick them. And sometimes you pack one, pick one them, and you don't even end up with a prophetic prism in your deck, right? Because you didn't end up splashing and you don't have a lot of artifact synergy, or you don't have a way to, you know, re-trigger it to draw a card a second time. That's not crazy, but they still are worth the early pick. Also because it lets you delay the decision or hashtag defer the decision about what colors or color pairs you want to be in a format that really wants you to stay open like this. Getting to take, you know, prophetic prism into renegade map into then reading what's open from your neighbor is really powerful. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that's exactly right. So next thing just we wanted to do to sort of warm up here before we go down some teaching routes is just to look at some pack one pick ones under synergy theory. Um, And if you've not listened to that episode of the podcast, would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. I think it's a great resource for, you know, improving how you think about and evaluate cards. And just as a reminder, there's kind of four ways that you're going to evaluate cards. One with cards that are of the same color, two cards that are of different color, And then three, how well they interact with the mechanics of the set. And then fourth, how well they interact overall with the strategy that your deck wants to do. Yeah, so first up here, we've got Aerial Responder, which is one white white for a two, three uncommon with flying lifelink and vigilance versus one of two, pick your poison, fabrication module or decoction module. But these are the two modules at uncommon. Uh, Decoction module being a two mana artifact uh, that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get one energy and you can pay four tap to return a creature you control to its owner's hand. Fabrication module is a three mana artifact uh, that says whenever you get an energy, you can put a plus plus one counter on a creature and you can pay four to tap it to get an energy. Right. So if you look at those modules under quadrant theory, they don't affect the board. They're expensive for the effects. They're kind of clunky. I think going into the format blind, I probably would give the modules 
somewhere in the D range or maybe like build around C range, but not a high grade, right? Right. Yeah, they look very slow. I remember feeling that way the first time this format came around. And then Aerial Responder is just an efficient ball of stats, right? It's three mm-hmm. mana, two, three, flying, lifelink, vigilance. Like what could you not want from that card? It's a rock solid, you know, B minus B under quadrant theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think if you look at them under the lens of synergy theory, the modules start to get a lot more appealing, right? Aerial Responder doesn't have a ton of synergy with anything in the format. It's just a rawly good card. I mean, it wears some plus one plus one counters well. You know, if you mm-hmm. do, you know, happen to combine it with fabrication module, make some energy, put some plus plus one counters on it, it can do some things. But the modules are game plans in and of themselves. If you get both modules on the battlefield, you're absurdly going off. Fabrication module, the one that gives plus one plus one counters when you get energy, that's one of the best payoffs at common or uncommon for making energy and then not spending it, right? Just getting free plus one plus one counters every time you make energy is nuts. Mm -hmm. And the decoction module is one of the best ways to go long with enter the battlefield effects. You know, you're combining that with a cloud blazer, you win the game if you're uncontested casting a cloud blazer every turn. You're just going to bury your opponent in card advantage. Well, the other thing about decoction module is that it's one of the few ways to repeatably make energy. So as soon as you take that, then all three of our top common creatures go up in value. Yes, absolutely. So the modules, while being intrinsically not powerful, I guess, when you look at them at face value, when you start to look at how they combine with the mechanics and the incentives that are in the format that want the game to go long and want you to go over the top of other opponents, I think the modules are just better cards in the format than Aerial Responder. I agree. I mean, the the modules are are some of the best ways to start off a draft in this format, in my opinion. Yes, I agree 100%. And like you randomly get eighth pick modules, which is just crazy. When that happens to me, I feel like I get so lucky in the draft portion. And I think sometimes you're going to take them and you're not necessarily going to play them, right? You first pick a decoction module and then you start sliding into a red white aggressive deck. Great. You don't you don't play the decoction module, but it's worth taking the chance on it in case you end up in a deck that wants to go long. Exactly. I think that's a really important thing to keep talking about of like, you know, you take these engine cards highly or you take prophetic prism or renegade map highly. That doesn't necessarily mean well maps you're not cutting probably. But prophetic prism, I've cut I've, I've cut first pick prophetic prisms before from my final builds and I think it's important to just note like you, that's okay. You can move off of these, you know, cards that help you delay the decision or cards that are engines or payoffs and then you just don't get there and that's fine and you will read the draft for whatever else is open. Yeah, makes absolute sense to me. So next one we're going to take a look at here is Thopter Arrest versus Armorcraft Judge. Thopter Arrest is tuna white for an enchantment when ETBs you exile target non-land permanent until Thopter Arrest leaves the battlefield and then it comes back under your opponent's control. Armorcraft Judge, three and a green for the three, three. And when it ETBs, you draw a card for each plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. This is a lot closer for me. Like, I feel like Responder versus Modules is like close, but clear, I guess. Here, I just feel like it's close. I think I would give the nod to the removal spell here. And that's not because I don't think Armorcraft Judge is isn't powerful but because one it's a it's got the four drop problem like you're competing with p mount rider and hunt the week at common and both of those cards are cards you're going to take highly when you're in green um so i've found my like four drop slot gets clogged a lot and the other thing is that i think i don't end up in like plus one plus one countery stuff all that often and so i feel like armorcraft judge is maybe more of a reward than a reason to draft that deck but maybe i'm a little too low on that aspect of it No, I think that's perfectly true. I think Armorcraft Judge is a reward more than it is a reason. I think this is an interesting one. I mean, both of these cards are like 
B minus territory, I think, yeah. on quadrant theory. You know, Armorcraft Judge maybe a build around B minus and Thopter Arrest just a straight up B minus or a B. I do think Thopter Arrest gets a hit in the format slightly because people are incentivized to main deck at least one copy of artifact enchantment removal and you know if your thopter arrest gets blown out by appetite for the unnatural mid combat and your opponent gets to eat something that's a huge blowout and you do run the risk of that happening i think and people sideboarding against it are definitely going to have artifact enchantment removal to bring in most of the time i think mm-hmm. and you know, even something as simple as ether trade wins bouncing it i it's a bit of a liability in that respect i think but still a very powerful card but does have some things in the format going against it. You know, if you're thinking about synergy and how it how it works in the context of the format. Mm-hmm. And Armorcraft Judge, I think, has a lot of upside. You know, there are plus one, plus one counters running around just through cards that have Fabricate. And heaven forbid you're going deep with something like Ridge Scale Tusker. I think there's just a lot of ways to abuse Armorcraft Judge. I think pack one, pick one, I would be on Judge because I think it's got a much higher ceiling than Thopter Arrest does. But I agree about the points you brought up about the four drop slot getting clogged. It's not quite as clear cut for me anymore. Yeah, I don't know if Ridge Scale Tusker is a good argument there because I don't think you need to draw <laughs> cards after you've dropped Ridge Scale Tusker. That card is an absolute beating. Sure, fair enough. Uh, the last one here we want to take a look at, we, we've probably already given the game away in terms of what we're going to take here, but I think it's worth discussing because I imagine the no removal in our top commons, right? No Daring Demolition, no Welding Sparks. Um, so so why Daring Demolition versus Ether Swooper? Why are we landing on the side of uh, Swoop? There it is. Yeah, I think, you know, again, if you're putting these under Quadrant Theory, Daring Demolition demolishes Ether Swooper, right? Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that was heat of the moment there. <laughs> Didn't even realize it. <laughs> Daring Demolition is like a B minus, right? Should pull you into black. And Ether Swooper, I think, you know, two mana, one, two flyer, you're thinking that's probably not relevant. It's It would probably be a C plus under Quadrant Theory, just nothing else considered. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And I think if you look at it under Synergy Theory, you know, Daring Demolition does, it's going to kill the thing, right? It's never going to be more than what it says on the card. And Ether Swooper can be so much more than what it says on the card, right? It's an energy sink. We talked about the fact that those are hard to come by and the fact that this is a card at common that lets you dump your energy into it for a repeated value is excellent. It makes other cards around it better, like Your Seeker Serpents, Wetworks Brawler, that sort of thing. Era of Innovations, a way to continue to make one ones, you know, assembling sort of a Planeswalker esque effect in Limited. So I think all of those things combined, you know, there's blue cards that it works well with. There's cards, it works well in every color bear if you're looking at cards of other colors. It works well as a strategy as far as like blue wanting to play with artifacts and caring about things like Gear Seeker Serpent. It just ticks all of the boxes in Synergy Theory. And I think that pushes it way over the top of Demolition for me. And I think, you know, I remember week one asking you, like, I took Ether Swooper over Demolition. Do you think that's a mistake? And you were like, yeah, probably. And I just, I don't think it is anymore. And I I think you were probably right. I think I was a little lost in the sauce. But as it were, you know, you want to get lost in the sauce in the format a little bit, I think. I think to summarize, this is something I've been feeling about the format as well, is that this is so much more about, and I think this could probably just be a heuristic for limited from now on. It's just much more about you doing your game plan than interacting with your opponent's game plan. Like doing the thing with Rhino, Super, or Chaser is so much better than being like, all right, I'm going to be the reactive player and I've got my Welding Sparked and I've got my Daring Demolition. Not to say that you shouldn't have removal in your deck, but it's just like, I think you want to prioritize threats over removal really often. And especially these cheap, energy sink creatures are just so so valuable right the the best premium creatures at common i think are better than the removal for the most part these days so 
and we're to a point in the format where you would want you would rather end up with four ether swoopers and two daring demolitions than you would rather end up with four daring demolitions and two ether swoopers like yeah. that is not even close to me that's not even close yeah I, I mean i would yeah i would rather have four and zero i think yes that's like i would just rather have four swoopers just because i know that that is going to be the crux of my deck that makes my deck so consistent that means i get to be on the front foot so much of the time like i just i think the card is so good so in the interest of going deep here just kind of quickly lay a groundwork for you know how you want to set up your defenses for an engine deck whether it be energy related or enter the battlefield related or whatever you know we've done this before in some other episodes but just to kind of quickly lay out the recipe here cards that you have available to you for fixing I think the three big ones are Prophetic Prism, Renegade Map, and Attune with Ether. Mm-hmm. And you need to pick and prioritize those highly. And if you are dirtling around, they're going to be excellent in your deck. And if you are not dirtling around, they probably will not. I mean, Renegade Map and Attune will probably still make the cut if you have energy with Attune. But you're, if you're not splashing, the cards go down considerably in value. Ooh, I got I got a spicy pack one, pick one for you. Okay. Attune with Ether versus Malfist Revolutionary. That's the one green green 3-3 three, three with Trample at Uncommon that when it enters the battlefield or dies, you get to add a counter to a creature or player. That's an attune for me, not particularly close. Right? That, me as well, but I don't think that's intuitive. So just trying to frame that there as... I mean, that may be sort of a knock against revolutionary, just sort of being a little clunky. One green green, uh, that's like a pretty heavy green commitment as for your three drop. Um, but just a tune with ether is just such a good glue card. Well, and I think it goes back to don't be mid-range, right? Malfist Revolutionary yeah. is the poster child of <laughs> a good mid-range card, right? Right. Whereas a tune and it's only going to do the thing it is, and yes, it has some synergy with plus one plus one counters, but that's not big enough synergy to win you the game whereas a tune with ether to give you energy for all your energy nonsense plus allowing you to splash cards that are good with your energy nonsense it just opens up so many more avenues for you at the start of the graph now once you know that you're green and you have like the green curve where you have a thriving rhino there's times later in the draft that you're happily going to snap up malfist over the attune with ether i think that's true as well mm-hmm. but pack one pick one it's definitely a tune yeah Agreed. And that, this is just one of the reasons why I think this format is so sweet is because there are so many of those picks where you're like, well, yes, early in the draft, I would take card X. But as I know, I'm going down, you know, some path, I would take card Y. But if I'm going down a different path, then I still would take card X. Like, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. So those are the the fixing blockers, the cards that block best in the format are the cards I'm most happy to have. If I'm interested in blocking Consulate Skygate, that's the 04 with Reach, Dukara Peafowl. I have such a soft spot for Dukara Peafowl. <laughs> It's four mana for a two four. You can pay blue to give it flying until end of turn. High Spire Artisan. That's the O three with Fabricate that has Reach in green. Thriving Turtle, Death Touch creatures. Anything with big butts really work well as blockers in this format, and especially if they have Reach. A lot of times these Turtle decks are, you know, vulnerable to something like Ether Swooper or the other flyers that exist in the format, and so having Reach is pretty big deal. I can't remember if it was you or Alex who was high on Thriving Turtle. Were you singing the Turtles' praises? I was singing the Dirtle Turtles praises. It's so good. And I think mostly because I'm so hungry for places to put energy. And this really is just like a totally fine card to start your curve out with. Yeah. Once it's a 2-5, it's a gigantic nuisance. Yeah, for sure. Life gain has been another recipe for a Dirtling in Lords of Limited. You know, thinking back all the way to Ixalan, everybody was like trying to jam their tribes and you and I were just happily... (laughs) 
<laughs> playing nonsense. Conqueror's Galleon, yeah. Um, but the cards that gain life the best, uh, Arborback Stomper, that's the 5-4 that gains you 5 on ETB, Airdrop Aeronauts, again, gains you 5 if something has left the battlefield. It has a revolt trigger for the, the life gain clause there. And then Aerial Responder, just other things with lifelink, that sort of thing. But being able to rebuy those cards that gain you life and trigger the ETB multiple times just slams the door shut on anything that's trying to attack you. All right, I'm starting to see the recipe for this uh, this Bant ETB deck that you're talking about that I have not drafted yet. I'm, I'm liking it. Um, there's not a lot of life gain. There's not a lot of incidental life gain in the format. That's like basically it, right? Yeah, there's really not a lot. Yeah. And then lastly, you just need the powerful enter the battlefield effects. So I think there's two varieties. So after, after you have those above pieces, the fixing, the blockers, the life gain, you can push down and enters the battlefield effects area or you can push down an energy area so if you're doing the enters the battlefield things key cards i think are you know those life gain cards you really abuse those there cataclysmic gear hulk is a great way to you know have an etb pseudo wrath trigger gaunty is a great way to get card advantage looping that vengeful rebels a way to etb loop you know minus three minus three effect ridge scale tusker you probably don't need to cast multiple <laughs> times but it's nice to know that you have the option <laughs> <laughs> Again, Cloud Blazer, uh, gaining two life, you know, drawing cards. If you loop that, you're going nuts. Maverick Thopterist, being able to rebuy the th- making Thopters. Resto Gearsmith, being able to rebuy a Gravedigger effect. And, you know, Rogue Refiner, or there's other effects that let you draw cards on ETB. But once you have those cards, you can really go deep with things like Decoction Module and, you know, Aviary Mechanics, the one in a white 2-2 that lets you rebuy a permanent to your hand, or Wispweaver Angel to blink things. There's a lot of good things to do there. Or you can push down an energy route with, you know, we've talked about the modules, Dynavolt Tower to as an energy sink to use as a removal spell, Warrior Virtuoso to make Thopters. So I think once you have the shield set up, you branch differently depending on how you want to pay off. But that's the basic recipe for how to set up your defenses and then find whether you're pushing down an energy engine or whether you're pushing down an under the battlefield engine. All right. I think we got to call the episode early here. I, I need to draft, Ben. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too excited talking about all this nonsense. Um, I know. Yeah. So so moving off of that, thinking about more big picture stuff as we, we keep coming back to week after week for this format, um, what are you trying to do you know we talked about that i think everything is viable i think all the colors colored pairs are good you can win with them but what what would you be hoping to do or what do you think are the best things to do i that's a hard question because (laughs) it's hard for me to draft this format seriously because there's so much sweet stuff that you can do and the sweet stuff is actually good when it comes together right so my my hope when i sit down is to do just absolute nonsense like my dragon right now is ether flux reservoir paradoxical outcome good if we're talking God. what i'm wanting or hoping to do wow that's on the bucket list and i've gotten the ether flux reservoir a couple times but i haven't gotten the paradoxical outcome with it okay um so essentially you try to storm off and like dome your opponent for 50 with ether flux reservoir but if we're setting our site smaller uh bant etb is my go-to as far as an engine. And then I think if I'm being aggressive, my go-to has been red-white beating down. Yeah, red-white beat down has been a very successful deck for me. And my 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 version of your band ETB love is I've had a lot of success with salt eye decks with either like plus one plus one counter synergies or energy synergies. But I'm I'm much more in the the, the engine I'm trying to do has to do with trying to find ways to create and then spend effectively my energy. 
Yeah, I think that's certainly viable. And I think the one that neither of us have done a ton is white, black, grinding, and looping. I know you've had some sweet hidden stockpile decks. I played against an opponent that had a very sweet hidden stockpile deck that was splashing uh, Reckless Fire Weavers. They were Mardu. And then when they got that loop going with the hidden stockpile, they were doming me every time an artifact ETB. That was pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I've been I've done that with underhanded design. So like, you know, you make the servo off of stockpile and then you that triggers the design. So you get to pay one to drain your opponent. Like I'm all about the the black drain life with night market lookouts or underhanded designs or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to attack you, but I do want to kill you very slowly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned black as far as, you know, like night market lookout or even underhanded designs. And I love underhanded designs. I've just had trouble getting into black in the format. You know, underhanded designs is really the only black card at common or uncommon that really pulls me towards black. I mean, some of the gold uncommons do, but that's about it. Yeah, I think I mean, I think a lot of the gold uncommons pull me in like I think stockpile and restoration gearsmith and Orzov, obviously the the snake and Golgari, the other Golgari one isn't isn't good at all. You know, contraband kingpin, I guess is fine. I, I like drafting blue black a lot. But I've not had a lot of that's probably like the color pair I've had the least success with like it's fun, but I also feel like I don't win with it very much. The black red gold uncommons are very good. So I, I feel like I, I move into black for those. Um, but more often than not, black is is a color that I find myself into in probably pack two. If I'm getting into it, not at like rare generally, you know, in pack two, once I'm deep into one color in pack one, and then, you know, scoop up a couple daring demolitions as removal spells, and then off to the races there. Or, you know, I found that Night Market Lookout is a game plan at common, or if I'm in blue, black or white, black, that then Fen Hauler can slot in. It's just like, all right, well, I'm making servos or whatever, so I can... and pop this guy in. I'm I'm not on the die young life anymore. I think that card is quite medium. Yeah, it really doesn't get there enough of the time. I think more what happens to me why I haven't been playing black as much is that I'm splashing those cards that you name in bant base decks mm, mm-hmm. rather than ending up base black because I got those cards. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I yeah, I've, <laughs> shockingly I, I've drafted three monocolor decks in the format so far and they've been all black, uh trophied ones and then two ones the other ones. Um so I I don't know. I've I have found myself playing black quite a bit and to success. So I I, I don't know what the dissonance is there. Maybe I'm I I I'm almost certainly taking Night Market Lookouts higher than everybody else. That's my most drafted common in the set so far. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's like incredible. And I agree that it's kind of weak at common. I also think the other difference is that I I'm fine with Ether Poisoner a lot more than you are. Yeah, that's fairly low for me. I am on the Night Market Lookout train, and I just don't get past them. I don't know. That deck is also on my Dragons to Slay list. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hop into some some roundtables here and see how we're maybe navigating some some tricky situations or how we're valuing these engine cards early. All right, let's do it. All right. So speaking of drafting black here, I'll uh, I'll have you take a seat at a roundtable. That's going to be an easy pack one, pick one. Uh, don't really need to discuss much in the pack because our rare is a mythic. And it's Noxious Gear Hulk, four black black for a five four artifact creature with menace. And when it ETBs, you may destroy another target creature. If a creature is destroyed this way, you gain life equal to its toughness. This card is a beast. Yeah, that card's absurd. You're slamming that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Glimmer of Genius, the blue draw spell at Uncommon, and a Tune with Ether at Common are like the cards that stick out to me. Otherwise, but yeah, slamming the Gear Hulk now. Let's see what uh, what we do here. Moving on to pack one, pick two at Common. Got quite a few choices here. Uh, Renegade Map. Hunt the Weak, Ether Chaser, and Daring Demolition. 
And then at Uncommon, there's a Sly Requisitioner, four and a black for a 2-2 Improvise. Whenever a non-token artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you create a 1-1 Servo. And Armorcraft Judge, we talked about this a little bit already, three and a green for a 3-3. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah, this is interesting and already pick orders are shifting and we're kind of walking back some of the things we talked in the episode, but not really in the sense that like we were wrong about what we talked about right. in the episode, you know, like this is just how drastically pick orders change in the episode. So I think, you know, cards that stand out to me the most here are Renegade Map, Daring Demolition, and I think Ether Chaser and Armorcraft Judge. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we have a card as good as Noxious Gear Hulk means we are almost 100% to play that. I mean, not necessarily, but we're going to try very, very, very hard. So I think we're going to take Daring Demolition here over, you know, cards like Ether Chaser, Armorcraft Judge, Renegade Map. Whereas I think if you just look at those cards, pack one, pick one, all of a sudden Daring Demolition is not the pick anymore. Right. If this is pack one, pick one, I'm taking Ether Chaser. I think I would be on Renegade Map, but I think that's just a, you and I drafting the format slightly differently. But those cards are very, very close and you could not fault anybody for going either either direction, I don't think. Right. But now once we have a card as powerful as Gear Hulk, like, I mean, I've used this phrase a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to hold on to Black for dear life at this point, right? So unless a, a, the person directly to my right is snapping up all the black cards, it's going to be very hard for me to move off of this card. It's so powerful. So yeah, I took took the daring demo here. Pack one, pick three. Uh, following cards as options at common. The only black card is my fave, Night Market Lookout. And there's three goodish white cards, Aviary Mechanic, Cogworkers, Puzzle Knot, and still the best white common, Glint Sleeve Artisan. And then Uncommon's kind of junky. There's Ravenous Intruder, the like red one, two that can sack artifacts to get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Servo Schematic, which is, I think, just generally a worse Cogworkers Puzzle Knot. Really hard to get that off the battlefield. And Spire of Industry is your rare. That's the land. Uh, taps for a generic mana, or you can pay one life to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Activate this ability only if you control an artifact. Yeah, I think this is an interesting pick. I think a lot of people would take Glint Sleeve Artisan here as the best card in the pack. The two and a white, two, two Fabricate one. And that's my first instinct, but you you selected Night Market Lookout here, and I really like that pick. So maybe this is why I'm not getting into black. I love <laughs> third picking Night Market Lookout here. I think it gives you a lot of power and flexibility down the road, continuing to stay mono black. And I think, you know, future Night Market Lookouts you pick up as a result are going to get better. This gives you a game plan in black, you know, then you're picking Sky Skiffs. So I really like this pick here. Yeah, so I, I did take it here, and I, I think this is like early for it. If I didn't have a card as powerful as Gear Hulk, maybe I would take the Artisan. Like, I think Lookouts are kind of a card you're hoping to wheel a lot of the time, but I think just cutting black hard has a lot of value here. Moving on to pack one, pick four. Not a lot of great cards here. There's a Gear Seeker Serpent, a Kujar Seed Sculptor, one in a green, one, two, and an ETB as you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. There's a Defiant Salvager as the only black card in the pack. Two and a black, two, two, sack an artifact or creature at sorcery speed to put a plus and plus one counter on it. And then I guess maybe the best card in, a, in the pack, I'm not even sure if this is better than the Serpent, is a Shrewd Negotiation, the four and a blue sorcery, exchange control of target artifact you control and target artifact or creature you don't control. Yeah, Shrewd Negotiation is not control magic. It's not. You, you really need, you need prisms or servos to donate to your opponent. In multiples, like you need yeah, a yeah. minimum a minimum of like five or six ways to do that before you're happy with one copy of Shrewd Negotiation, and you need like 10 plus ways to do it before you're happy with two copies. And there are some decks where Shrewd Negotiation is insane, but 
it's not powerful enough that you want to draft around it in that way. It's more like, oh, I get to take a shrewd negotiation here because I have, you know, a bunch of ether swoopers or whatever. Right. I was just going to mention ether swoopers. Like, you know, we're looking at the two best blue cards and probably the two best cards in the pack as serpent and negotiation. And what card makes both of those way better? Swooper. And this is one of the reasons why it's one of the top commons. I think for me here, I would be on Gear Seeker Serpent over Defiant Salvager just because I really like the blue black artifact deck. And I think Gear Seeker Serpent's much better than Defiant Salvager. I agree that Serpent is much better than Salvager. I just, again, I think I think there's a lot of value to cutting black, carving out my lane as a black drafter because of Gear Hulk, and Salvager does make some future picks better, right? I, like it's something that I would hope to get later. Um, I just I, I don't know. I, I'm a little wary of taking a blue blue card here fourth after having gear hulk and demolition in my draft that makes sense to me so let me run this by you in the context of what we've been talking about in the episode which is you know you really want to stay open draft the hard way in the format that feels a little bit cognitively dissonance here to me that you're selecting defiant salvager over over gear seeker serpent well i think there is a handful of cards i mean like you know, think about not, not that gear hulk is basically dream trawler-esque for Theros Beyond Death. Like that was a card you would just like pack one, pick one and be like, I'm blue white. And I think there are not a lot of cards in the format that make me do that. But I think Gear Hulk and a lot of them are, are colorless, right? Like Sky Sovereign or uh, Aether Sphere Harvester, right? You just take those and they're the, you know some of the best rares or mythics you can open. And I think Gear Hulk is on that short list and it just happens to have a color associated with it. So I think it gets bumped up in terms of, you know, if you're weighing the balance of what's the best card in the pack versus what's the best card with what I have. I think that skews the balance quite a bit. Yeah, that's fair. So to round out the draft here, we we do end up saying like basically mono black through pack one. We get a second night market lookout an ether poisoner, foundry screecher, embrawl bruiser. Eighth pick is kind of late, I think, for that the two mana three one that has menace if you have an artifact and enters the battlefield tapped. Um, wheel a foundry screecher, and then we wheel that sly requisitioner, which I don't think is a good card, but I did end up building a deck with three of them here, Ben. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so we can take a look at the, the deck pick here. We end up being basically mono black with a lot of artifacts, splashing white and red, white for hidden stockpile, and red for quicksmith rebel. That's the three and a red, three, two, when it enters the battlefield. Target artifact you control gains tap. It deals two damage to target creature or player for as long as you control quicksmith rebel. Um, and triple sly requisitioner, triple workshop assistant, so that the engine that I... I, I uh, assembled here for this deck was okay so i have these workshop assistants so this is the three mana one two artifact when it dies you can return another target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand so if you have two of these right one dies gets the other one back sort of like a grave digger effect so while they're dying and sly requisitioner is in play i'm making servos i have stockpile which helps me to like get that engine going as well so i just like basically say you can't win on the ground and i'm going super wide and then i've got you know gear hulk which i can rebuy with the assistance this deck really did some some dirtily loopy stuff this deck looks delicious yeah it was great this deck would have trophied if i didn't play again i played against black green all three rounds round one <laughs> my opponent played hazardous conditions oh no round two game one my opponent played both hazardous conditions and make obsolete jeez i won that game narrowly but like i was just like what is this I, against any other archetype i feel like i crush people but i just am playing against like mono mini sweepers feels bad man yeah but anyway this deck was sweet so that's just an example of some engineering stuff and i think of note the night market lookout package does not make the cut here right we only have only ended up with two of them and no vehicles so you just leave them on the sidelines and that's fine right but then you're also 
giving yourself the chance to spike six night market lookouts and your deck being awesome, which is also great. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to one of mine. We've got pack one, pick one here. Several options, very weak pack. There's Sky Skiff, the two mana, two, three flying crew one at common. There's no other real top commons outside of Dawn Feather Eagle, the four and white three, three flyer that when ETBs, your creatures get plus one, plus one and vigilance. Uncommons are some spicy ones. Glimmer of Genius, Scry 2, Draw 2, Get 2 Energy. Bowmap Bazaar Barge. I think I've been underrating this and the 6-6 vehicle a little bit in the format. This is 4 for a 5-5 when ETB is your draw card and it's got Crew 3. Sometimes those vanilla keyword large cards have given me a bit of problems. I agree. I think I think Bazaar Barge, especially because it replaces itself, is kind of insane. Aeronaut Admiral as 3 and a white, 3-1 flying vehicles you control have flying. And rare is Scrap Trawler, three mana for the 3-2, and whenever it or another artifact you control is put in the graveyard from the battlefield, you return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. I think I was watching you draft this on stream, and I think I even said, like, yeah, it's Scrap Trawler, but I'm I'm now currently off Team Scrap Trawler. I think it it's like, a again, it's a reward, not a reason for being basically black white because i think that's the only way you get to abuse this card that's fair like it's it's good it's just good i guess but like i really want to figure out how to like make it do the thing a lot rather than just like it dies and maybe i get renegade map back you know so are you on glimmer here i think i'm on glimmer here yeah yeah i think glimmer is number three here for me behind trawler and bowmap bizarre barge still i think that's defensible but uh yeah those those three i think are the cards that you're considering between Yep, and I think regardless of what happens in the future of this draft, it will be similar, I think, right? You're, there's no crazy powerful cards here. We're willing to move off any of these cards or include the colorless cards, depending on what we do. But I ended up on Scrap Trawler. Pack one, pick two, see the following cards as options. Again, a bunch of junkers here at common. Uh, best one being a tune with Ether, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe like a Pyro Helix or a Countless Gears Renegade, but nothing crazy good. Our uncommons are all pretty mediocre. There's an Illusionist Stratagem, which is the blue instant that lets you essentially flicker two of your creatures and draw a card. There's Creeping Mold, two green green for the sorcery, destroy an artifact, enchantment, or a land. Eh. And Blossoming Defense, which is good, but again, you're not second picking it. Single green for the instant target creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and hexproof until end of turn. Well, Blossoming Defense is also just worse than a tune with Ether. Yes, that's true. At for least sure. early, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our rare, the Holy Grail, Ether Flux Reservoir, four mana for the artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn, and you can pay 50 life to have Ether Flux Reservoir deal 50 damage to target creature or player. You can't even read the text of the card with a straight face. You're so excited. <laughs> it's so good. So I'm, I don't know where, how this happened, how our roles were reversed, how I'm the fun police. How do you make this card work? There's several ways to do it. So first of all, it is just randomly kind of annoying in that like (laughs) if you can double spell or whatever, you know, triple spell later in the game, you do gain a lot of life and there's not a lot of ways to gain life. So while you're trying to derp around, like some aggro decks just have trouble beating Ether Flux Reservoir in general. Okay. And if you get your life total to like 35, like it's really difficult for your opponent to make attacks, which then like stalls into you wanting to stall the game out. Um, so that that aspect of it is good. You can go off with it with two aviary mechanics. Like once you get those and you start looping them, oh, God. cast an aviary <laughs> mechanic, so rebuy funny. your aviary mechanic, <laughs> rebuy your other aviary mechanic. So if you have like eight mana, then you do really get to storm off and get up to 50 life pretty easily. And there's other ways to rebuy things, you know, with 
decoction module and other nonsense. You you can do the thing. And then the dream is to get paradoxical outcome, uh, which is the three blue return any number of non-land permanents. You control your owner's hand, draw that many cards, and then you just go off with some unbridled growths or other things that are cheap cards to play. I had a deck earlier this this week or last week, I think it was this week, where that had Paradoxal Outcome and Fumigate, but I never got to live the dream of end of turn, pick up all my creatures, draw a bunch of cards, and then one-sided Wrath. There's so much sweet stuff to do in this format. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right, so th- the fact that you can get two aviary mechanics, so the fact that Eutherflux Reservoir, you can like make work at common, I'm, I'm down. This, this pick is sweet. If you're trying to max your win rate a tune is probably the correct pick here yes but it's not not by that much like doing nonsense like either flux reservoir is possible and it is good in the format yeah that seems sweet i'm you, you convince me all right moving on to pack one pick three you see the following cards as options again not great things going on here mm-hmm. there's a druid of the cowl as the best green common there's Daring Demolition still, the two black black sorcery, destroy a creature or vehicle. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's an Armor Craft Judge still, three and a green, three, three. When it ETBs, you draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it, as well as Bowmat Courier, one mana for the one, one haste. Whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library face down, and then you can pay red, discard your hand, sacrifice Bowmat Courier, and put all the cards exiled into your hand. Is it wrong to be kind of tempted by Bowmat Courier here? Like, I know it doesn't go well with Reservoir, but it does really go well with Scrap Trawler. It does go well with Scrap Trawler. I, I would buy Bowmat Courier here. This was prior to me being kind of on Bowmat Courier. Like, worst case scenario, it, you know, it rummages, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is not ideal, but it can't snowball and run away with the game. I kind of had a memory at this point of Bowmat Courier being bad, but I think that memory was wrong. Yeah, I had that same memory too, but I have also now since played with it in a good red white aggro deck and it was fantastic we're just evolving as limited players it's true look at us grow, growing and changing yeah so i guess and i think bowmat courier goes well with scrap trawler armor craft judge is like the best i don't know has the highest ceiling perhaps of the cards in the pack but doesn't particularly go with either reservoir or trawler and then i guess just daring demo as just random removal i i could i, I kind of would I think I'd be on Bomat Courier, but I don't really feel strongly among those three cards. Yeah, I kind of like the Bomat Courier now as interacting well with the Scrap Trawler, but I ended up on Daring Demolition at the time, just locking up my first piece of removal felt good, knowing that I was wanting, the longer you want the game to go, the more you need two to three pieces of kill anything removal. Yes, for sure. So I did land on Daring Demolition here. Oh my Next, God. One, <laughs> oh <four>. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ethan's oh my godding because he sees that I've selected Ornithopter here. <laughs> this is zero mana for the zero two flyer. But like, honestly, what are you? What else are you taking out of this pack? So in my defense, there's nothing good in this pack. There's a Wild Wanderer, uh, three and a green, three two. When ETBs, you can search your library for a basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped. There's Reckless Fireweaver, one and a red, one three. Whenever an artifact ETBs under your control, it deals one damage to an opponent. Have you done the Fireweaver thing yet? I have not, no. Yeah, I haven't either. I really want to, but it feels hard to come together. It is difficult because hidden stockpile is one of the best ways to do it, but then you have to be Mardu. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird that way, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. But other commons, like there's Lifecraft Cavalry, there's Appetite, there's Ether Theorist. There's there's nothing here that is good enough to push you in a direction. I mean, I think there is a def- I think Fireweaver is defensible because like I think, you know, you say Mardu, but like could be red, black, like you just played this. It it is good with trawler, right? You want to have this and cheap artifacts. I don't know, ornithopter, buddy. You are that's too deep. Oh yeah, ornithopter sketchy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild ride. But how's it going to have been if you'd taken Bomat Courier and now you have ornithopter as a zero mana artifact to get back? 
when Bo- when With you sat Bomac Courier and Scrap Trawlers yeah. in play, now we're talking. There you go. <laughs> All right, pack one, pick five. Again, another super weak pack here. Actually, the more I think about it, Ornithopter may be secretly great with scrap trawler like makes you just have like this infinite chump blocker that's cheap and any like puzzle knot or implements get it back like it's really not bad maybe ornithopter is secretly genius here and it's and it's good with reservoir right because it's free right that was the thing like it's good with reservoir because it's free there's opportunities with scrap trawler like it was you're generally not supposed to play ornithopter but and if there were anything reasonable in the pack i would have taken it but there's some chance it's small but there's some chance ornithopter makes the cut yeah, and any future, if you see any Tezzeret's touches, you're into it, or any of the siege modifications. Yeah. All right. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm hashtag Team Ornithopter here. Yes. The more I think about it, the more it's pretty brilliant. All right, so pack one, pick five. Uh, there's Renegade Map, uh, one mana for the artifact. ETB's tapped. You can sack it, search for a land. And after Renegade Map, there's just nothing in this pack. There's a Fenhauler. There's a Die Young. There's a Countless Gears Renegade. There's nothing that's good enough to push me down a route. Your uncommons are Pima Ether Seer, which is a 3-2 that can pay energy to force something to block. That card is bad. Yeah, it's really not good. Or Engineered Might, again, like not great. Yeah. So I think a clear Renegade Map here, and worth noting weak packs but we've got a lot of avenues to do anything which is what you really want to do when the packs are weak yeah and this is awesome you already have synergy like trawler map ornithopter these all work with both trawler and with reservoir as like a cheap artifact i I mean i think map is not only is it the right pick but it's also like kind of feels really good with what you've got so far Yes, I agree 100%. So moving on, the draft rounded out. We took a Pendulum of Patterns over a Druid of the Cowl and an Unbridled Growth, which was a little loose. We made some loose picks because I was really trying to make the Easter Flux thing work. But I, we actually ended up navigating our way into a good deck, which I think is worth noting of just about the staying open thing. So pick seven took a Reservoir Walker, which is good if we get uh, one of the modules to pick it up and recast it because it gains you three life when it ETBs. So helps get you towards the 50 life ether flux total. But then pack one, pick eight, there's a late attune, which we snapped up again out of another weak pack. We wheel and attune with ether pick 10. That's insane. Yeah, it's really insane. It turns out that green was just wide open in the draft and we ended up with a very good deck and we were able to figure out that green was open because we just, you know, stayed open almost all of pack one, essentially. Um, so if we take a look at the final deck, it's insane. It's insane. It's almost mono green um, with Etherflux Reservoir as like a card in the deck. And even if we were trying our hardest, probably shouldn't be in the deck, if I'm being honest. But, you know, in the twos, we've got Druid, Seed Sculptor, Servant of the Conduit. Good ways to ramp. You're, and you're then burying the lead module. here. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? You're, you're like that. You have Nissa, Cloudblazer and Lifecrafters bestiary. Like. Like, here's my good sure. curve. Like, you just have ins- oh, you also have a Trophy Mage, which is a second copy of Bestiary. Like, yeah. this deck is insane. Yeah, Trophy Mage is a second copy of Bestiary. We have Decoction Module to rebuy Cloud Blazer and Restoration Gearsmith. So you just, um, so did you deck with this at any point? Got close to decking. <laughs> Was in severe danger of decking in round one. Round one, I had like a minute left on my clock and like two cards left in my library oh my when God. I won game three. So good. But yeah, this deck was sweet. And I think it goes to show what you can do when you're deferring the decision and, you know, trying to go deep with an engine and you have a plan to get there on the engine. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the attune with either wheeling is egregious. That should never happen. Right. And is a big signal to move yes. in. Oh, for sure. All right. Now can we end the episode and I can go draft? 
I think now we can wrap it up and you can go draft. Okay. I am Jones to sweet. do some sweet things also. For sure. So great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading on over to CFB for any and all things magic related and you are checking out there, signing up for CFB Pro to get access to our articles over there, please use code LOL, all caps, at checkout to let them know we sent you. You can check us out. I imagine Ben's about to fire up a stream today. Check us out streaming on twitch twitch.tv slash mr metronome for ben twitch.tv slash lord tupperware for me we're both under those same usernames on twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at lords of limited if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later And again, a bunch of nothing. There's like a Fen Hauler, a Die Hung, a Countless Gears Renegade, a Die Hung. Die Hung. Jesus. (laughs) 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 We're just going to leave that one alone, folks. I think we've got our outtake.